Blog Talk Radio. We know that quality care for your most precious gift is your highest priority. Worry no more. The Children's School offers early childhood education that counts. We provide a variety of learning activities to enable all of our children to grow and learn at their own pace. We ensure that quality attention is offered to every child. The Children's School provides a stable, fun, and safe learning environment for your child. Located in the Germantown section of Philadelphia, we accept children six weeks through five years of age. We are open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call us today for a visit at 215-991-1767 or email us at childrenschool.thl at gmail.com. Love Talk Radio. Thirty-one questions for the Mukminoon. Have you ever cried as of sins you have committed? Inshallah. Did Shaitan ever make you feel like the past can't be repented? Yes. Do you really love Allah, or just words that you utter? Allah. Do you feel like your innocence has been drained by the gutter? Can you love sooner and still love to backbite? No. How many days you woke up Muslim and Kafir by night? Allahu If you was on trial for being Mukmin, would they have enough evidence to convict you? If you die right now, how long would it take for the Ummah to forget you? Allahu Can you answer the questions in the grave, or do you have to study for that test? Allah. I hope so. And what will be the words you utter at the moment of your last breath? What are you prepared to sacrifice for the sunnah? Did you ever take part in spreading the vicious rumor? If so, how far did it go? How many people really know? On the day of judgment, how many mukmans you going to host? Why are you the last of Juma? And the first to leave. Is that an indication of how much you really believe? Why do you say things out of your mouth that's not in your heart? Don't you know Mukmans live in the light and Kufars live in the dark? How can a month go by and you miss every salat? Where is your desire? Ah, you show for the fire. Muslims and Muslims, fill the north from a hopeful dreamer. It's either heaven or hell. Mock me or the Dajjal. Allah or Shaitan. Fly girl novels or ayahs of the Holy Quran. Standing on street corners at the end of the block. Or at the masjid making salat. You can either listen or turn your head. Because this earth is a paradise for the grateful dead. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Inna lil muttaqina mafaza. Hadaika wa a'naba. Wa kawaiba ataraba. Wa ka'fan dihaqa. 
لا يسمعون فيها لغوا ولا كذابا جزاء من ربك عطاء حسابا رب السماوات والأرض وما بينهما الرحمن لا يملكون منه خطابا Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam. Brother, you heard the Dean over Dunya show? Dean over Dunya. That sounds familiar. Wait, hold on. Let me think. Dean over Dunya. Dean over Dunya. Yeah. Dean over Dunya show. Y'all heard about that joint. My man hosts that joint. Safe or hot. Mashallah. Mashallah. So you like the joint? I love it. What's your name? Noah. And what they listening to? Dean over Dunya. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam. Dean over Dunya. 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 Assalamualaikum. This is your brother Saifu Haq, inviting all my brothers and sisters to go check out the Dean Over Dunya movie, now available on Vimeo On Demand. That's V-I-M-E-O On Demand for $9.99. And you can also get it on Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, go to Google and type in Vimeo On Demand, or you can go to Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, the Islamic movie of the year. Please support me. Check it out. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I'm your host, Sifu Hawkins. This is the Dean of Adunia show, the number one Islamic radio show in America. Alhamdulillah. Before we begin, like always, we want to give praise to Allah and we want to say salawat upon his Nabi, Prophet Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And alhamdulillah, nasta'inuhu wa nasta'firuhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori nfusana wa min sari ahli ma'lana min yadihi lahu fala mawdhullala wa min yukhlu fala adiyala wa sharu la ilaha illallah wa atuhu la shurikila wa sharu anna muhammadan abuhu rasuluhu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Amma ba' Before I begin, I'd like to say all praise belongs to Allah we seek his aid, we seek his guidance, we seek his help. We seek refuge in the law from Shaitan and his minions, and we seek refuge in the law from the poor person Shaitan that will lead us to hell for now. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for our sins, our faults, and our errors. And whoever Allah guides, none can lead astray. And whoever Allah leads astray, none can guide. And I bear witness without any hesitation, any compulsion that there's no God but Allah. And I bear witness that the Prophet Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his last prophet and messenger. And my bet. As what follows. Tonight's show is very important, brothers and sisters. Uh, the first thing I want to say is alhamdulillah that we're back on the air. Alhamdulillah. And, um, that we're able to spread this, this dawah, this deen of Islam. And tonight's show is called The Friends of Shaitan. The friends of Shaitan. This is what we want to call tonight's show, inshallah. It's very important. And if anyone's out there listening on your phones, on the computer, then text all your coworkers, all your family members, all your all your friends, all your family members, and and anyone that you know, and ask them to tune in, inshallah. Even even if they're not Muslim, 
I mean, anyone can benefit, inshallah. But tonight's show is called The Friends of Shaitan. And I called it The Friends of Shaitan for a particular reason. Because the opposite of the friends of Shaitan is the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who are the friends of Allah? The friends of Allah are a select few. You know, people who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely, people who keep their oath, people who keep their covenant, people who do what they say they believe in, people who practice what they say they believe in, people who are kind-hearted towards the believers and merciful. People who are, you know, they treat you the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted you to be treated. They are the believers. They are those foremost close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are those who keep their oath and their covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with their friends and family members in the Muslim community. They are the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, if they are the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the enemy of Allah has to be the friends of Iblis, the friends of Shaitan. And what are their characteristics? They do not fulfill their oaths. When they make a promise, they, 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 they break it. They lie. They cheat. They murder. They slander. They backbite. Basically, they do everything opposite of what the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do. This is what we want to talk about tonight, inshallah. Because we want to ask ourselves, are you one of the intimate companions of shaitan? Or are the people that you're hanging with, the people that you're associating with, the people who you are around, are they one of the intimate companions of shaitan? This is the question tonight, inshallah. Because as Muslims who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's very, very, very important that we are on the path of guidance. It's very important that we are on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seeking Allah's help, seeking Allah's forgiveness, trying to get in the good favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is very important. If you're a believer, if you care about these things, then what I'm telling you is going to make sense, and you're going to think about it. But if you're not a believer, if you're a monastic, then these things are not going to benefit you because you don't care about them. You don't care about getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't care about your future. You don't care about paradise. You don't care about hellfire. It doesn't matter to you where you go. Therefore, you're not going to try to uh, seek benefit from the lecture tonight. Because it's not going to mean anything to you. But if you're a person who believes in the law, then we want to talk about this tonight. Who are the friends of Shaitan? Who are they? And what is their goal in life? What is their purpose? What are the signs that they represent? We want to talk about this tonight because this is very important. Because I find too often, way too often, People who say that they believe in Allah. People who say that they follow the sunnah of the messenger of Allah. People who say that they are on their true guidance have the the characteristics of the friends of Iblis. 
they have the characteristics of the people who follow shaitan. They're wicked individuals. Wicked individuals. You cannot be a Muslim who say that I believe in Allah. You cannot be a Muslim who say, Ashhadu la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, yet you're following the path of Iblis. Your friends are shaitanic. Your lifestyle is shaitanic. Nothing about you represents the deen of Islam. This is what we have to understand. The people that you love and care for are the friends of Iblis. You don't have no love and, 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 and mercy in your heart for the friends of Allah. The friends of Allah, uh, uh, they, they, they uh, annoy you to the highest degree. This is what the friends of Allah do to you. When the friends of Allah come around, they want to speak about Islam. They want to speak about the deen. They want to speak about Allah. They want to speak about the sunnah. You suck your teeth and you walk away because you don't have time for that. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear what Allah has to say. You don't want to hear what his messenger, sallallahu has to say. But when the friends of Iblis, when they come to you, you give them a clean air. Attentively, when they come to you with negative news about your brother or your sister, you give it a listen and you love it. And you spread it. This is the characteristics of the friends of Shaitan. We have to ask ourselves tonight. Right now, this is how serious this is. Who do we want to be? When it's all said and done, when humanity and the rest of creation has ceased to exist, and the day of judgment is about to begin, and the loss of Penalty is questioning the people. Who do we want to be? Do we want to be counted as the friends of Shaitan, Iblis, or do we want to be the friends of Allah, depending on the island? That's the question. If you don't believe in the day of judgment, then this talk is not for you. Islam is not for you. If you don't believe that you're ever going to die one day and that you're going to be questioned about your deeds, then this, this Islam is not for you. This religion is not for you. It's clearly not for you. If you don't believe that there's no such thing as the friends of Shaitan, Iblis, then this talk is not, you shouldn't be on the phone listening to Seifuhak. Listening to me, because this talk is not for you. This talk is for those who want to realize which side of the fence they're on. Are they on the party of Allah or the party of Shaitan? Shaitan promised the lost dependent to Islay in the Quran that he's going to do his best to lead everyone, every human being that he possibly can to hellfire. This is his promise to Allah. I'm going to lead all of those who are straight who are not sincere. All any Muslim, any non Muslim that is not sincere. Shaitan has vowed to Allah 
that he's going to lead them astray into the hellfire with him. He's going to lead to the hellfire with him. So the key word is sincerity, ikhlas. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not ask any Muslim brother and sister to be perfect. Wallahi, Allah never asked anyone to be perfect. In fact, Allah says if the earth was was perfect, he would destroy it and make another one. He did not ask anybody to be perfect. But what he did ask you was to just be sincere in what you say out of your mouth. If you testify that there's no God but Allah, then be sincere in your statement. If you say that you want to do something, then be sincere in trying to fulfill it. Allah says in the Quran that it's grievously hated in the sight of your Lord that you say things out of your mouth that you do not do. So all he's asking for you is sincerity. In the sight of Allah, that's not a lot to ask. How do you measure sincerity? Sahabas came to the Messenger of Allah, so that said them, right? And one of the Sahabas had a bucket of dates. You know what dates are? That's the fruit that we eat in the month of Ramadan. It's like a, a giant-sized raisin, right? That's what a date is. One Sahaba came to him with a bucket of dates with sadaqa. Simultaneously, another Sahaba came with a bucket of gold, right? And the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu said to the rest of the Sahabas who were you know, looking on, he says, Wallahi, he says, I don't know which one of these is heavier than the Nizan. The Nizan is the, the scale on the Day of Judgment. Because he says each, he don't, he, each Muslim is given to his own capacity. This bucket of dates can be one bucket of dates. He can have a hundred bucket of dates at home. And this can be his only bucket of gold. So that gold will outweigh the bucket of dates, not because it's worth more, because of the sincerity of his heart. But this bucket of gold can be one bucket of gold. And he can have a hundred just like it at home. But this can be this, this Muslim last bucket of dates. So those dates will outweigh that bucket of gold, even though with us it's not worth it. But sincerity in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sincerity means a lot to Allah because he never, he don't give you, no human being has the capabilities of being perfect because that's not what Allah is asking for you because he knows you can't be perfect. So he says that you can be sincere in trying to fulfill your oath. You can be sincere in trying to be a good Muslim. And you have to ask yourself, are you representing the party of shaitan? Are you benefiting the earth? Or are you causing corruption the earth? Corruption. Allah says in Surah uh, Shams, he says, successful, is the, successful indeed are those who purify their hearts. And failures are those who corrupt their hearts. So Allah subhanahu wa is telling you, That the whole purpose of this test on this earth is to try to purify your heart. And if you, you are successful, those who try to purify their heart to the best of their ability, but those who corrupt their heart, they do the opposite of what the law has asked of, of, of them. They, they are losers in this life and the hereafter because he never asked you to be perfect. He asked you to be sincere. And the person 
who's following the footprints of shaitan, a person who is a party of shaitan, a person who's following shaitan, a person who's perpetrating, uh, p- perpetuating the mission of shaitan, he is your enemy. If your phone rings and someone asks you to do a haram act, is that person your friend? They're asking you to do something that's going to take you from, from, the, from, from, from the remembrance of Allah. They're asking you to do something from, that's going to take you far from the path of Allah. Is that person your friend? That's the question. Is that person a party of Allah or a party of shaitan? Don't get it confused. Just because a person says that they are Muslim doesn't mean that they're with Allah. Doesn't mean that they're with you. They're with the Iblis. Allah says in the Quran, he says that when they are with the Muslims, they say, yes, we're with you. But when they are with their, when they are with their evil friends, they say, no, we were just joking. We're really with you. We're not with them. Some Muslims say that in their actions. They may not say it in their speech, but they say it within their actions. When they at the masjid, when they with the Muslims, when they around Muslims, they talk Islamic. But when they go home, their lifestyle is full of iblis and shaitan. And they try to use excuses of why they cannot try to be right. They try to use excuses of why they can't do the right thing. But them excuses is not going to hold weight on the day of judgment because the Lord never asked you to be perfect. He just asked you to try to be sincere. This is what we have to understand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us to be sincere. Shaitan is your enemy. Allah says in the Quran, he's an open enemy. Open enemy. We are living in a time in the Islamic community where Muslim sisters are no longer attracted to a brother that's trying to be righteous and trying to feed his family. That's not what she's attracted to. She's attracted to brothers who got swag. He don't have to have deen, but he has to have swag. She's attracted to the type of money that he spent on his belt. If his belt costs $400 or he got a pair of $300 products on, this is what she's attracted to. We living in a time in the Ummah where the Muslim men is not attracted to a sister that's going to be a good wife, that's going to help him raise his family and take care of his kids. No, he's attracted to those sisters that's out in the clubs, that's smoking on hookahs, that she covered today and she uncovered tomorrow. She covered today and she uncovered tomorrow. This is the sisters that they're attracted to. It has nothing to do with Islam. It has nothing to do with Dean. We're living in a time where people, they try to be righteous publicly. They try to be righteous publicly. They want others to think that they're righteous, but in reality, they're not righteous. You can tell by the intentions of the person. People, Muslims are grandstanding on Facebook and Instagram to try to let the community know how righteous they are. But in reality, their heart is empty, like an empty vessel, has nothing in it. 
It has nothing to offer the community. Nothing. The entire Islamic community is like the one big hollow pearl. There's nothing on the inside. It looks beautiful on the outside, but on the inside it's nothing. People are spiritually bankrupt. Spiritually bankrupt. People are rolling with the party of shaitan and crows and drows. In Philadelphia, the average Muslim is a drug dealer. The average sister loves the drug dealer. This is the community that we live in. Who party are they on? Are they on the party of shaitan or the party of Allah? One thing fundamentally, fundamentally we have to understand about Allah is that Allah is good. When I say good, I mean, listen, 100% pure, good, perfection. Allah said Allah is good, and he only accepts what is good. Allah says in Surah Al-Rahman, Surah 55, he says, is there a reward for good other than good? Which one of the favors of your Lord will you deny? That is a tremendous ayat. Is there a reward for good other than good? And which one of the favors of your Lord will you deny? When you think about Allah, I don't want you to think about Allah as far as height. I want you to think about Allah as far as status. Can you reach Allah? Not with your hands, but can you reach Allah with your heart? Can you reach Allah with your heart? Ask yourself. Do you represent the party of Shaitan or do you represent the party of Allah? If this was a war between Islam and Shaitan, whose side are you representing today? Do you do things in your daily life from the time you wake up, from the time you go to sleep, to bring yourself closer to Allah and to help the Islamic community? Or do you do just the opposite of that? They bring you closer to Shaitan. That Shaitan can pat you in the back and say, "You know what? You a good, you a good follower because you're doing things that I don't even have to do." In your life, when things are getting tough and rough, and the walls are crumbling down, do you raise your hand and do I say, "Oh, well, Lord, I have nowhere else to turn. Can you, can you help me? Can you help me get close to you? Can you send me some help?" Oh, well, Lord, I have nothing. Can you help me? Do you do that at 3 o'clock in the morning when, when you have nothing else to do? Or do you do haram things in your life because you say that it's hard and it's rough? That's the question that you have to ask yourself. This is the question that we have to ask ourselves because the reality is Every person on this phone and every Muslim that's going to listen to this this this, this talk on on iTunes and 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 tune in radio, whether it be tonight, if you're listening to this talk a year from now, because it's in the archives. Every Muslim believe that they are a good person. We all believe we're good. Because we have to tell ourselves these things In order to keep doing The things that we do We all believe That we are forced to do the bad That we're doing because it makes us Feel good about what we're doing But if we sit down And really analyze our lives If we sit down And really think about it 
is that excuse that you're giving yourself today, is that gonna is that gonna sound right on the day of judgment? Think about that. There's gonna be a person who comes to Allah Subhanahu Island on the day of judgment and they're gonna say, Oh Allah, I had to sell drugs because you know they wasn't hiring me because I wasn't I, I was a criminal. I had felonies on my record. And you know what the law is going to say to them? When he's going to stop them in their tracks of lying, which is going to blow their mind, he's going to say to them, was my earth not spacious enough for you to travel somewhere else? Why is he going to ask them that? Because it's a person who really believes in the day of judgment, right? A Muslim who really believes in they're going to be questioned about their actions. A Muslim who really believes in paradise, they're going to exhaust every possibility known to mankind before they disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, before they do something that Allah is displeased with. Why are they going to do that? Because wallahi al-deem, I swear by Allah, if you are a sincere Muslim, and you try your best and give it all that you got before you exalt your, your, the last breath that you can muster, the law will aid you. You have to believe that. Before you can exhaust your breath, before you take your last breath, you have to believe the law will aid you if you give it your all. In the time of the Messenger of Allah, so they said, the Kufars wanted to kill the Sahabs because they were Muslim. Not because they was drug dealers, not because they was murderers, not because they was criminals, not because they spoke out, because they were Muslim, because they said Allah is my God and Muhammad Sallallahu is my messenger. They could have easily said, you know what? Allah is not my God. I, I don't follow Muhammad because they was outnumbered a hundred Thousand to one to 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 a hundred. It was outnumbered, so it was easy for them to just give up. But what they do? They left their homes. They left their city. They left their state, and they went to a whole other part of the world in Africa because they wanted to hold on to their iman before they give up. They wanted to exhaust every possibility. But are we like that in this day and age? A Muslim would rather chill with shaitan, smoke weed with shaitan, drink with shaitan before they give a little give a little sacrifice for the pleasure of Allah. What have what have you given up to prove to Allah that you try every effort possible? What have you given up? What have you done? To say, well, Lord, listen, I'm trying. Can you help me out here? Ask yourself that. Because ultimately, that's going to answer the question whether you're on the party of shaitan or you're rolling with Allah. This is the reality to it. This is the night that people who are rolling with shaitan has to give up being with Iblis. Seek refuge in the law from shaitan. shaitan and come to the party of Allah. Come. And I guarantee you, sometimes being on the party of Allah, you may have to leave your home. 
You may have to leave your state. Sometimes you might sleep on a park bench. Sometimes you may go without eating a day or two. Sometimes people are going to laugh at you because you seem weird. But at the end of the day, Allah got your back. And if Allah got your back, who can hurt you? If Allah got your back, who else? Like, what, what else do you need? If Allah love you, what else do you need? Is there anything more precious in this dunya than the love of Allah? Is there anything in this dunya more precious than the love of Allah? Wallahi, brothers and sisters, what I'm telling you tonight is enough to make every Muslim cry on this earth because we have abandoned the Sunnah and we have abandoned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't know Allah. We keep saying we know Allah, we know the Sunnah, but we do not. We do not. I received a phone call from a Muslim sister a few days ago. She went to the masjid in her community or in a particular city that she lived. Telling them she has nothing. She has no husband. She has no job. She has a, a child that has to eat. She's looking for some sadaqah. She's looking for something to hold on to. You know what the masjid told her? They told her that the sadaqah at that particular masjid is reserved for the, the community at that masjid. Let me explain something to everyone on this phone that, that cares to hear what I'm saying. When the Muslims say, Ashadu Allah, Ilaha, Allah, Ashadu Inna Muhammad, Rasulullah, Wallahi Aveen. If they go to Indochina and walk into a masjid, they are obligated to give that Muslim sadaqah. If they go to Africa, they are obligated to give that Muslim sadaqah. If they go to Afghanistan, they are obligated to give that Muslim sadaqah. This community is, is universal. It's the entire, anyone in the universe, they say they, that the law is connected. There's no this community and you're not part of my community. This, that's not Islam. That's a heavy innovation. Innovation is that's an innovation. That's the innovation. And I always say this hadith when Umar ibn al-Khattab was the caliph and the Muslim was kidnapped. He didn't know who she was. But the word got back to him and he sent a letter to Rome that said what you have in your possession is someone who utters la ilaha illallah. Muhammad Rasulullah. To you she means nothing but to me if you do not release her within 24 hours, we'll send a king, an army to your kingdom that is so vast that the beginning of this army will be at your doorstep and the end of the army will be where I'm at in Medina. That's what the Muslim system means to the, to the caliph of the Ummah. Until we understand that, would that, would that mean that each and every last one of us means something in the sight of Allah, that each and every last Muslim is sacred like Kaaba, you know how you feel when the month of Ramadan get here and you feel sacred? When you walk into the message, you feel like this is something holy. When you go to Mecca, you feel that's what every Muslim means. Until you realize and internalize that, then you will not smell the fragrance of paradise. 
Wallahi, no Muslim on the planet Earth can be taken, you know, like they mean anything to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No Muslim can be taken for granted. None. Not one. The Messenger of Allah sallam, said in the Hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would destroy the Kaaba brick by brick before he would want to see the harm come to any Muslim who believe in Allah. You know what the Kaaba is? That's the most holiest place on earth for a Muslim. Praise the Kaaba. He says the Lord will destroy that before he want to see harm come to you or I. So this is what we do. We turn Muslim sisters away. Like the day of judgment don't exist. If this is this is this is part of your aqidah. We believe everything is meant to be. This is part of this is part of our belief system. Everything is decreed. If you're if you're eating food, if someone asks you for some of your food, Allah sent them to you. That's a decree from Allah that they that you are, you have their risk with you. You have their risk that Allah has designed for them, but it's in your hands. They asking you, can I have some of your food? If you turn them down. Then you're going to be one of the people on the day of judgment that Allah going to say, when I was hungry, why didn't you feed me? And you're going to say, well, Lord, you, 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 Allah, you, God, you don't get hungry. He said, no. When that person came to you and asked you for your food, if you would have given them food, you would have found me. If a Muslim sister come to you for help, Allah is sending her to you for help. That is the test. If you turn her down, then you're turning the law down. If you help her, then you help her the loss of penalty. You can't get on that. You may be upset that someone is asking you for your food. You may be upset that someone is asking you for help. But Allah sent them to you to test you. Do you truly believe in this religion? Are you just one of those people who just say you believe, you really don't believe. That's Sitting at the dinner table and you have a plate of food and you ain't eat all day. And someone knocks on your door and asks you for some of your food. Now it ain't easy no more. Now it ain't easy no more. Extremely easy to be a Muslim when there's nothing on it. It wasn't easy for the Sahabas who left their entire state to, to go to Africa. Think about what I'm saying. See, you, you, you're not comprehending what I'm saying. Imagine leaving out of Philadelphia. Imagine leaving the state that you're in right now. You left your state, right? Right now. When you, you left that, you went to a whole part of a society that you don't know anybody there. You don't know not one soul. You don't know where you're going to eat. You don't know where you want to live. You don't have no job. You don't have no protection. All you want is you leaving your state because everyone in your city wants to kill you because you're Muslim to go somewhere where you don't know a soul because you are Muslim. How many of you can do that? How many of you can say, you know what, I'm going to leave my big screen TV. I'm going to leave my table. I'm going to leave all of that. I'm going to leave my beautiful house. I'm going to leave all the furniture I brought. I'm going to leave everything I own and take a few bags of clothes, if even if I can take that, 
go to a whole different part of the world where I don't know no one and ask them to help me because I believe in Allah. How many of you can do that? That's the test. Now ask yourself this. Have Allah ever came to you with us that tremendous that you leave your city, your home, in order to prove that you believe in this thing called Islam? Yet how many of us are filling the test? How many of us are chilling with Iblis, living with Iblis, smoking weed with Iblis, popping Percocets with Iblis, shooting other Muslims and robbing other Muslims with Iblis? Yet we can go to sleep at night and feel comfortable as if these we've done have it. My only probably took us outside of the fold of Islam, but lead us to the hellfire. We can go to sleep comfortably. Comfortably. Ignorance is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Subhanallah. The friends of Shaitan. What I advise myself and a lot of you to do, if you're a true Muslim who believe in Allah and His Messenger, if you really want to get better, learn about the Sahabas and the sacrifices they made. Learn about the Prophet Muhammad and the type of man he was. See, we can't be good people because we don't know what a good person is. That's why it's important, very imperative, that you learn about the life of the Prophet Muhammad. If you listen to a lecture and it's boring, then ask Allah to let you find a lecture that's not boring. You can listen to lectures like Hamza Yusuf, The Life of the Prophet Muhammad, or Anwar Aliki, who some say that he was a terrorist, but I'm telling you that his CDs, The Life of the Prophet Muhammad, is, is awesome. When he's talking about the Messenger of Allah, you can sit there, put some popcorn in the microwave, and you can close your eyes and you can visualize the, the, the life of the Prophet Muhammad. Sheikh Hamza Yusuf has the one that's as well. It's on YouTube. Or you can listen to Sheikh Ibrahim Osi Effet, the seer of the Prophet. When you listen to Sheikh Ibrahim Osi, you have to be attentive. Like You have to really be focused because he's spitting like he's giving up knowledge. You have to pay very close attention, but he's speaking hot. But see, if you really don't believe in the religion of Islam, you really don't love Allah, these talks are going to bore you because you don't really want to hear about the Messenger of Allah. So that's not such part of your Delhi regiment. You don't really, that, that don't, you don't desire to hear that. So you got to have love in your heart to want to hear five hours of the life of the Prophet Muhammad, every single detail of his life. Because the Sahabas were even more in love with the prophet than we can ever dream of being. Sahabas used to sleep outside of his house just to be near him. Used to drink the water that fall, the voodoo water that fall from his fingertips because they wanted to have something that he had. You understand what that means? There are certain people on this earth that's in the ground right now, in the grave, that memorize as many hadith as they came across about the life of the Prophet Muhammad. You can't do that except through love. If you were a man and you love a female 
If someone is telling you about a female that you love, that you have a strong desire for, or do you ever get tired about hearing about her? He gets tired of you asking about her. If you're a female and you love a man, do you ever get tired of hearing about him, how wonderful he is, what type of man he is? And you ask questions, oh, yeah, but what did he say? What did he do? That What did he look like? No, I'm going to be quiet, inshallah. And I'm going to bring Ime Hanif Abdullahi on the phone. Inshallah. Salam alaikum, salahi barakatuh. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I I was talking previously, but I guess uh, it wasn't clear. Mashallah. Uh, so we're clear now. No, we're clear now. We clear. I think that was my end. Okay, alhamdulillah. I've been uh, listening for about the last uh, 15 minutes or so, and uh, mashallah, uh, could have just continued listening because uh, reminders are always beneficial to those, you know, who want to believe, those who claim to believe, and those who believe. And uh, I enjoy just being reminded of things. More so than than speaking, talking, and um, because when one decides to speak and open their mouth, the angels they start writing. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala takes us to account for all of it. So I was hesitant and thinking about whether or not I was ever even going to push because I'm like you know, see if a hawk, you know, you kind of got this covered. Uh, Really, not no need for me to add. But as you see, I'm not the wisest man in the world, so I did proceed to push to one, and uh, now it's happening. But at any rate, after those opening remarks, some of the things you had uh, touched on kind of reminded me of uh, an important lesson or principle or uh, that I've been thinking about in the last coming, uh, last weeks or so. And that is the issue of uh, of guidance, proper guidance, the double-edged sword that we call guidance. Because guidance can be twofold. It can be correct guidance, or it could be... Uh, Incorrect guidance, so guidance that there could be guidance, in other words, to Allah and Jannah, paradise, to goodness, and they can also be guidance to deviance and to hellfire. And uh, what it brought me to was thinking about what is usually uh, put out there as being the foolproof ways to reaching guidance. And normally and oftentimes, many of our scholars in the books that they write that seek to aid the believers on this path to guidance and the path to guiding them to Allah, etc., many times we start with the issue of knowledge. Knowledge. 
and uh, how it's important to learn the religion. And that oftentimes it's knowledge that helps one to be guided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ignorance is what uh, keeps us from being guided properly. And it's a very interesting thing because I came to the conclusion after giving it much thought and coming to study many of our scholars and many of our ulama and their writings and even beyond that, going into much of what the Prophet wasallam has said, we find his words to be perfect, his method to be perfect. And I'm going to try to, uh, I want you to travel through the thought process that I went through and what led me to what I'm about to say. Inshallah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, there was a young, uh, there's a young man who uh, I was was friend with on a, on the social media and Facebook, and uh, he's a young Muslim, very intelligent, and he is, you know, I consider him a, somewhat of a seeker on the path of knowledge and one who has taken the path of knowledge in hopes that he finds truth, which I respect. But when you look at a lot of what this particular brother posts, the thought of his concerns, you'll find that he talks about things that are that are very good, like the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he gained his great love for Sayyid Ali, the cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the fourth Khalifa of Islam. And this love for and the study of Sayyid Ali has led to him having a deep love for Sayyid Ali, which in no way is a good, which is in every way a good thing, and in no way a bad thing. And what happens with this love for Sayyid Ali? is that he begins to study the life of Sayyid Ali and many of the attributes of Sayyid Ali and, and you and you will easily fall in love with a person like that. He's the epitome of, of bravery, the epitome of honor, the epitome of iman. He's the epitome of one who is completely devoted to following the son of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, one who is completely devoted and one who is completely absent in his uh, presence with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning he's absent from this world and completely with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is Sayyid Ali. His love for Sayyid Ali leads to now him taking all the positions of Sayyid Ali, and it leads to hating those who oppose Sayyid Ali, and which is natural. When you love your mother, you generally love things that your mother liked, the music she listened to, you know, the food that she made. You might love the colors that she constantly uh, would use around the house and decorate the house with, the designs that she uses, different things. So it's natural. And then when people oppose your mother, hate your mother, you hate them naturally. 
So there's, there's a lot of easy. And this is really happens to many students in ouch. They might gain the same type of thing where they now don't, uh, now they, they start to study the life of Satan Eiley and those who opposed him. And they begin to develop a hatred for those who oppose Satan Eiley. Now, on the outside, this may seem harmless. This may seem actually good from one standpoint. But then we start to see the danger. I started noticing the brother and other brothers like them in the group, and they'll post things now we want to look into. Okay, say the Ali, he receives bay'ah from the majority of the uh, Sahaba that were around when he took his seat at the head of the Muslim Ummah as the Amir al-Mu'min, the commander of the faithful. And then notice that there was others who didn't immediately, who took on, who took opposition to him. Example, Muawiyah. So now, oh, man, okay, he's going to hate Muawiyah. Okay, fine. It's a choice. And it gets into moving into the brother now hating anyone who was close to Muawiyah. So now it moves to uh, the whole clan of the Bani Hashim, and then it moves into, and the thing that uh, kind of brought this thing to a head, which was the straw that broke the camel's back for me, was that the brother had posted something about the companion, Sayyidina Khalid ibn al-Walid, radiallahu And about Sayyidina Khalid, he was saying that Sayyidina Khalid ibn al-Walid uh, had committed fornication in that he had uh, killed a man with his only motive being he wanted the man's wife, and then he later took and uh, did not wait the waiting period and so on and 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 so on. All right. And I began to notice something with this, and it became clear to me. And I've heard this before from teachers of mine and brothers and sincere brothers who are knowledgeable of my, uh, that I know has also said that in knowledge and guidance are not the same thing. That in knowledge and guidance are not the same thing. One necessarily can help the other, but they're not the same thing. And oftentimes what you'll find happening with our with us with our students and even those who are not students that they believe that knowledge they believe by seeking knowledge that they're seeking that they're they're, they're attaining to guidance. And what do I mean by that? What'll happen with these brothers is you'll find that in their attempts this is just one example of it. But just using this as the uh, the, the 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 situation that serves as the example of my point. What happens with these brothers is that they will begin to take sides regarding things that happen with the companions, even though the reality, when we look at the reality, the stark reality, is that we're living, we're completely separated from them. If we were to look at the way the Quran deals with situations like this, Allah Ta'ala says about these types of situations when Allah Ta'ala was mentioning to Bani Israel in Surah Al-Baqarah 
many, 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 many times about those believers who lived before them. Those who lived in the past who walked with Musa alayhi salam and those who walked with uh, Ishaq and those who walked with Yusuf and so on. He mentioned many times that these were people who passed away. For them was what they did and for you was what you do. And it was interesting that when I saw his brother, he said this about Sayyidah Khalid, he posted this, this thing. What I said to him was, he said, brother, you should be more concerned about you and your status with Allah than with Khalid. I didn't attack him like I wanted to. I said, you, I brought it to the reality. And bringing this reality to the brother, what it did was cause him to delete me. Which is fine. I don't, I don't really mind that. That, that doesn't bother me. Uh, but what I did notice with him and with, with many others is that people uh, want to, they, they, they look at the knowledge or look at the information that's available because we don't know for real, for real. If you're not a first-hand witness, you don't know really what happened. This is the reality. We don't know what happened with anyone, whether, whether it's Sayyidah Ali and Sayyidah uh, Mother Aisha radiallahu anha or Talha or, or with any of them, for real, for real. What we do have is we have the narrations and the reports, some of which are strong, some of which are weak, right, some of which are complete fabrications, and we ascertain to the best of our ability, what likely, what was likely to have happened. And even then, when we're able to ascertain, okay, this is likely what happened, this is possibly what happened here, we still utilize the knowledge for what? Is it is the goal for us to merely, uh, is it for us to know the detail of every single thing and who was wrong in every area and so on, or is the purpose in it? for us to gain lessons that we use in order to make us better Muslims, better worshipers of Allah, who, inshallah, tabarakah wa ta'ala, uh, will be pleased, so that Allah ta'ala will be pleased with us. What is the goal? Like, for example, one of the major differences, and this isn't to get into theological, theology here, but one of the, for me, what is the one of the major differences between the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah or the large Sunni community in the Muslim Ummah, which I believe is the correct community. I believe it is the middle community. Versus the community, for example, like the Shia, for example. This is not an attack on the Shia, but just I want to point out one of the stark differences. Is that the Shia, for the most part, when you get into, at the end of the day, the crux. What are, what are you trying to do at the end of the day? you'll find that a major part of what they're set out to do, what their dawah is, what their call is, is to constantly bring up and rehash old situations from the past that they feel uh, somehow would be relevant to you as a Muslim now. Whereas the Sunni community, who many of whom were have the same blood relation to Sayyidina Ali, like, for example, we have Sayyidina Khalid, uh, we have uh, Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani, for example. We have Imam al-Haddad, for example. These are people that are son, blood relatives of Sayyidina Ali. We're talking about their, their, their Husseini, son, their son of blood relatives. However, they don't harbor in their heart the same hatred for, say, say the Muawiyah. And even some believe in Yazid, believe it or not, they don't harbor that. But rather, what they do is 
they uh, they take and apply a type of personal one or a good opinion towards all of the people in creation. Whereas the Shia is, is, is this big thing that make this demarcation line between those who will uh, hate those people. He used that as, as a barometer. In other words, if you don't hate uh, Muawiyah or if you don't hate uh, the, the, the Bani Umayyah, and sometimes they go into uh, Abu Sufyan and so on, then there's your iman is deficient because it means you're not loving Ali properly, you're not loving the Prophet like properly, no. But it's just stuff that makes you beg the question, why? What does this have to do with anything? Because the problem that, that is always going to come is you have to ask them, well, is this the way Sayyid Ali lived his life? Is this the way Hassan or Hussein lived their life? Were they the type of people that walked around with just a bunch of animosity and a bunch of hate and a bunch of anger? Was this the way they lived? Or did they somehow view everything in the world that happened as being the other of Allah and still use it as a, as a means to get them closer to Allah Taala? Because make no mistake, make no mistake, the Muslim is one who is not affected by the creation. But the, he is one who is affected in the creation. Do you understand what I mean? The believer, we study the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and study all of the prophets, actually. One of the things you find with them, though they were tested by the creation, they were tested by people, they were tested by circumstances, they were tested by these things, they did not allow those things to create who they were. In other words, like the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would take his example. He was someone that was ridiculed. He was he was someone who was being mocked. He was someone who was fought, someone who was talked about, someone who was slandered, all of these different things by the people of Makkah. But what did he do? Ultimately when he gained the upper hand of them and could have slaughtered all of them easily, just by nodding his head. What did he do, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He gave them all free passage. He didn't harm any. He didn't harm any of them, with the exception of a certain, of a, of a couple few who did things that were extreme. And the main reason, really, reason those three were hurt, is because they didn't come to him, but they sought other ways, which was another lesson. And we look at the situation in Taif when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was being mocked by people. He was being beat, physically harmed by people in ways that most of us couldn't handle. And when those two angels came to the Prophet wasallam and gave him the choice where they said, if you would like, we would take these two hills, these two mountains that were uh, on the opposite ends of this little valley, and we would bring them together and we would destroy everyone in the land. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, no, 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 no. He said, no, but perhaps maybe their children and grandchildren will be will, be, will accept Islam and will become Muslim. You see, this is the way our messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was. He was a person of Husmubad. He was a person that had a good opinion. So when we look at what is the proper way to, to go, who are the rightly guided people, you have to look at who are those that best, that best embody the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in terms of his outlook, in terms of his approach, in terms of the way he viewed the creation, in terms of the way he treated people, who best do that? Was he walking around he angry with everyone who did something to him or, or harmed this one or harmed that one? 
Or was he somebody, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that was quick with mercy? And which is closer to the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Then Allah, is he one whose mercy is greater or his wrath is greater? And we know that Allah Ta'ala's mercy is greater. So automatically his prophet and his people will be people of mercy. It won't be people of 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 this and of that. And what I mean by how knowledge oftentimes doesn't benefit and it's bringing us to what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said when it comes to knowledge. When he would make dua one of his most often dua that he would pray for is that Allah Ta'ala give us knowledge that benefit us. Keep us away from knowledge that does not benefit us. And this is why oftentimes many of our Sunni scholars, our big scholars, they don't go into the wranglings of the companions of the Sahaba. And it's not because they're trying to hide information from us or hide truths from us. The reason they do that is because they know that a person who is generally isn't uh, taught properly in the, in the particular method, according to the particular methodology that knowledge is sought. And isn't someone that is equally being fed the spiritual path to go along with the path of knowledge, then ultimately this knowledge won't benefit them. They will hear that a companion did a particular thing. And not only, and they won't have the wisdom to look at the companion as just a man who made a mistake, who made a mistake, who would have repented, and then the law Tyler forgave him. They'll look at it as this person is less than, you know, uh, you know he's just a human. And they see humans being something small. This is, what, this is what you have. You have people viewing the companions just like they'll view uh, us. The person that has wisdom, they'll look at it like, yes, I see that the companion, yes, he is a human. He's a human being. He's not a problem, not an angel. But they'll have, but they'll also be able to balance that out with respecting this human being for what he accomplished and what he did, where he came from to what he became. And even if the knowledge that they get leads them to a bad opinion of, the, of one of the companions, they still make dua for them, that Allah Ta'ala uh, forgives them. Because really, a person that has really a good heart, a person with a good heart, he really don't, doesn't desire to see other people just tortured and harmed. You know, it isn't like normal. Like when, when we're all raised and we're children, you know, uh, and I saw this even with my own children when they were very small. They did not like to see images on television of people getting shot, people dying, people getting beat, right? It isn't us as human beings, we don't naturally like to see that because we are naturally empathetic creatures. We know what pain feels like, and we don't like to see others go through it. That's natural. But what happens is, as we get older, we become desensitized because pain is always around us. Murder is always around us. Death is always around us. So much so that we'll watch the news and hear six people got shot. And, well, shoot, as long as it ain't my mother, my aunt, or somebody I know, one of my homies, really you don't care. You know, you just keep eating your cereal or whatever and just go ahead on the bed. It just means nothing. But this isn't this isn't the way of... Pure people, pure people, they, they care. And I've been around pure people, what I consider to be pure people, people who practice Islam for years, people who don't miss their salah, 
people who don't miss it outside of his time, people who spend their life studying, people who spend their lives in the remembrance of Allah, people who were taught by other pure people. And they are people that are really, they are concerned for humanity. And this brings us to uh, part of what Sayyid al-Haq was talking about, is that when you hear that someone comes to the masjid and they're, 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 down on the, they're down on hard times and they're being tested by the other being tested, Allah may be withholding their rizq right now, and they, don't, they may be homeless, whatever it is, that should naturally bother you. If it doesn't bother you, then there has to be something wrong or deficient with the iman. There's something deficient. There's one thing that you care, but there's nothing you can, and there's nothing you can do. But there's another thing to just not care. There's another thing to just not care. There's something wrong with the iman in anyone who cannot uh, sympathize with the suffering of others. It's called being blue-blooded is what they, we call it in, you know, in America. But there's something wrong with that. It's a very deficient thing. But brothers and sisters, what it is that we want to seek in this path of life, this journey to Allah Taala, is guidance from Allah. And we should always keep that at the forefront of our, of our mentality. We don't want knowledge so that knowledge allows us to be judgmental. Because this is, this is partly what's happening. This is partly what's happening. People are learning things. And, and, and this is the, 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 the tragedy of this age we live in. There was a time where people only learned these things if they attended the learning centers of the Ummah. There was a time where you would only learn high detailed fiqh, uh, uh, you know, concepts if you attended Al-Azha, or you attended Zaytuna, or you, or you attended Al-Nazamiyya, uh, which, uh, which existed back in the, you know, during the times of Ghazali, the Nizamiyya. You would only learn about these types of things, about the details of what happened between Amr ibn al-As and, and Sayyidina Ali and Muawiyah. You only learned it in those halls. And the reason being is because you, these things were taught to people who already learned Quran, whose character was already good, who already developed personal value, these types of things. And then they would, they would go into those things of knowledge. So uh, this is the way it was taught. But now, this day and age, everybody's just people are just translating things with no care for you know who this knowledge might reach. People are just putting out articles everywhere. The printing press is out of control. There's no uh, body with any control over everything, and it and it all stems from not having a central authority that is viable and that really has power. There's, there's no Khalifa that decides what's going to be taught or what isn't going to be taught, what's going to be done, what isn't going to be done. All right, so it's complete chaos. We live, in, we live in a time of complete and utter chaos where people are doing whatever they want to do, believing whatever they want to believe, saying whatever they want to say, and there's no uh, system of uh, checks, and balances. And uh, personally, I I just don't believe that it will actually improve until there is a system of checks and balances in play because to expect there to just be this awakening on the part of the masses of people that generates it, is I, I don't believe that 
generally things happen that way. I believe uh, there has to be an awakening on the part of uh, certain special groups of people who are lost to other guys, and then that group of people somehow attain power, and then they force the rest of everyone else to comply. I believe that generally this is how things have always kind of uh, happened. And um, inshallah, Ta'ala, we ask Allah Ta'ala to hasten the, uh, the, the time where uh, we can live possibly under, you know, a much better circumstances, inshallah, Ta'ala. If anyone have any questions, any comments you'd like to ask, inshallah, hit the number one on your phone and we'll come to you, inshallah. Um, if you have a question or comment, hit the number one on your phone and we'll come to you, inshallah. Now, Tonight's show, you know, I wanted to have it tonight because so easy is it is to be deluded about like who we are and, and what our capabilities are. You know, it's real it's real easy to be deluded. And Shaytan is gonna lead a lot of people to hellfire step by step. Allah says in the Quran, don't follow the footprints of Shaytan. Meaning that it won't all be at once. It's going to be step by step. And um, we have to be vigilant and guarding our souls and guarding our intellect and guarding our taqwa from a loss of penalty either and on the day of judgment, inshallah. So tonight we wanted to, you know, have a, a reminder of our duty to Allah and our duty to follow on the sunnah, inshallah. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back, inshallah. Salaamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi We know that quality care for your most precious gift is your highest priority. Worry no more. The Children's School offers early childhood education that counts. We provide a variety of learning activities to enable all of our children to grow and learn at their own pace. We ensure that quality attention is offered to every child. The Children's School provides a stable, fun, and safe learning environment for your child. Located in the Germantown section of Philadelphia, we accept children 6 through 5 years of age. We are open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call us today for a visit at 215-991-1767 or email us at childrenschool.thl at gmail.com. Now, we know it's been about five years now, and now one day went by. Have I ever thought about taking a Mom, so how you been? Mom, I've been pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing bad. You know, I was I was glad to hear that you wanted to have a little have a little meet with me, inshallah. I did. That's why I got the security over here. I mean, so we want to be alone, have a third party. I'm doing bad. Mom, so uh, what you looking for in a husband? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm pretty much looking for what almost any woman is looking for. You know. 
I believe most sisters are looking for a protector, a provider, um, someone who's going to come home at night, and most important, someone who's going to hold my hand and walk me through the gates of paradise. Hey, you're not Assalamu alaikum. What's going on, though? Just kind of hope y'all told us, huh? And we don't see y'all around the mass theaters, but. Hey, man, I ain't even been going to the mass theaters lately, man. We just been out here. I got you all on This is your brother, Seifu Hawk. Inviting all my brothers and sisters to go check out the Dean Overdue movie. Now available on Vimeo On Demand. That's V-I-M-E-O On Demand for $9.99. And you can also get it on Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, go to Google and type in Vimeo On Demand. Or you can go to Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, the Islamic movie of the year. Please support me. Check it out. Uh, Cover Girls is coming up next, inshallah. Salaam alaikum, rakam to Allah, he will barakatu. Salaam alaikum, rakam to Allah, he will barakatu. I'm your host, Safe Hockey, listening to the Dean of Adunia show. If you have any questions, any comments, hit the number one on your phone, inshallah. Tonight's show is called The Friends of Shaitan, The Friends of Iblis. And, um, we just wanted to put the reminder out there, inshallah, these are the last days and times. And you know that these are the last days and times on a candidate like Donald Trump could even, you know, run for president and people take him serious. It's unbelievable. I never heard of him being openly discriminated against the handicapped, African-Americans, Mexicans, homosexuals, which is, well, that's a good thing, but it's unbelievable how people can even take him serious as a candidate. So you know these are the last days in time. Can you imagine him as the president of the United States? Just think about that. Sit down and imagine him as the president of the United States. Honestly, the man is a complete idiot. He just is. And it's amazing that a person like that can reach that amount of wealth that he has. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But mashallah. These definitely are the last days in time. And um, as a community and as a Muslim ummah, we need to do better. And it starts with ourselves, our individual souls. And we all know that Allah says that he will not change the condition of a people until they change the condition of themselves. This means that each and every last one of us is personally have to look into the mirror and work on our own self. Other than that, then it's not going to get better. You can't expect the next man to get better. You just got to do what you have to do for yourself. You have to work on yourself. Simple. And don't worry about no one but yourself. Worry about your own soul because when you stand before a law and a day of judgment, when you butt naked and uncircumcised, he's not going to ask you about anybody else but yourself. Nobody is going to be... Question about you. You're not going to be questioned about nobody else. He's going to ask you about you and what you have done. How long was you on this earth? What did you do with your money? What did you do with the knowledge of Islam? You knew about Allah. 
How did that benefit your life? You knew about the Sunnah. You knew about the Prophet Muhammad. How did that benefit you as an individual? How did that benefit you? These are the questions that Allah subhanahu wa is going to ask us on the day of judgment. Do you have answers to those questions? Do you? Do you have an answer for those questions? The time of playing games is over. It's over. This is reality. So inshallah, we're going to try to uh, bring programmers to Philadelphia uh, a following note. Before meth apps, bring programs to purify in the heart, bring programs to help a person get learn about the message of Allah Sallallahu bring programs to Philadelphia to teach our youth what to expect in a marriage, how to keep a good marriage, how to look for a mate in marriage, like all of these these simple life skills that people should know that we don't know. We don't know. The average Muslim don't know the basic fundamental principles about Islam. You know, there was a talk on Facebook that a Muslim sister had posted, is it permissible to get your wife an engagement ring? And you know, 90% of the people said it's haram. And one sister went on to say that rings are only for men. I mean, rings are only for women. Men, it's haram for a man to wear a ring. And you just sit back and say, wow, subhanAllah, like, the message of Allah is known for having a ring, a silver ring. But Laid had a law, Muhammad al-Rasulullah, on it that he used to stamp as his seal, like a signature, on on, 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 on on pieces of paper. When his scribe used to write down whatever he wanted to write, he would seal it with his ring, as that's like his signature. First of all, People in this religion should not speak if they don't know anything. If you don't have no knowledge on that particular subject, don't speak. Stop listening to Muslims that are telling you that everything that you do is imitating the kufars. Stop listening to people that tell you that. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Kali fu mushrikeen, be opposite of disbelievers. This is the reason why we grow our beard and shave our mustache because the Kufars in his time used to shave their beard and grow their mustache. So he says, be called for Mushrikeen, be opposite of them. So we grow our beard and we shave our mustache. Right? Not be opposite of the Kufar that if they drive a car, you ride a, a, a horse. Not like that. That's, like, that's not what the Hadith is applying to. Be opposite of the Kufar Meaning that try your best to be different from them. Meaning look different from them. Dress, that's, that's why we wear kufis. We wear a, a distinct trademark to signify that we're Muslim. We want to identify ourselves as Muslim. Not everything the kufars do, we can't do because we're imitating them. Because that's, that's, that's asinine to think like that. To have that mentality is stupid. You're not a very intelligent person to have that mentality. Seriously. 
You have to follow the rules and regulations the way the messenger of Allah follows the rules and regulations. You have to interpret the hadith the way it was meant to be interpreted. And if you're not qualified to interpret the hadith, then leave it to the ulama. But see, the problem is a lot of the scholars that people are following are not qualified to give hadiths in America because they don't know our circumstances. They don't know our our past. They don't know our language. They don't even know anything about... That's like, all right, I've never been to Saudi Arabia in my life. Never been to Africa. Right? And someone come to me and ask me for a ruling that they're going to apply in Saudi Arabia. Right? Let's say a sister come to me and that, that, that she lives in Saudi Arabia. She says, say for how? Is it permissible for me to drive a car, right? And she lives in Saudi Arabia. And I say, she, let's say she called me from Saudi Arabia. And I say, yes, it's permissible, permissible to drive a car. Who's going to stop you? So she go out and she drive a car and she say, well, Saifu Haq said that it's permissible for me to drive a car. But in Saudi Arabia, it's not permissible for a female to drive a car. That's not it's not permissible for me to give a fatwa for another country or another society that I've never been to. I've never lived there. I don't know their customs. I'm ignorant to the fact that it's not even permissible for her to drive a car. So therefore, I shouldn't even be giving her an answer of fatwa because I'm not qualified to do so. So you get Muslims on Facebook and Instagram then they get a fatwa from a scholar who never been to America and don't know American customs to apply hookums and rulings to situations that's going on in America that only apply in America and not in Saudi Arabia. That's, that is problematic. And that's not permissible to do. And if you don't believe me, then look up Iman where He said that it's not permissible for a scholar to give a fatwa to for another city or continent he never been to. He never he don't know their customs. He don't know their language. They don't know our laws. Then if you go to an American scholar and ask him for a fatwa, that's perfectly fine because he speaks our dialect. He grew up here. He know the terminology. He know the laws. He know the customs. But they under the impression that there's no scholars in America. You see how stupid that sounds? That sounds real ignorant, doesn't it? There's no scholars. You know how many people, how many Muslims in America that one scholar that you can go to for the see him? It's hand of law. Until, so until these basic things change, I'm telling you that we're not going to we have plenty of fitness, plenty of drama. Anarchy. You need scholars of, of today that's living, that's contemporary, that can give you answer for the problems that we have right now. A scholar that was born 200 years ago can give you a fatwa of a person. Your mom is a Muslim and she's living on a, a, a life, a, a life she's, she's living on life support. Is it permissible to keep her on life support? Is it permissible to pour the plug? A scholar 200 years ago can answer that fatwa. You need a scholar in contemporary science 
that knows the custom of the people and knows the Quran and Sunnah that can give you an answer to that. You can't get a fatwa from a Muslim uh, 500 years ago tell you that television is haram, that pictures are haram because they didn't have television 500 years ago. They didn't have pictures. So you need a scholar in today's time that can look, that can analyze the television, that can analyze pictures and give you a proper hookum. This is, this is reality. This is the reality to it. MashaAllah. The average Muslim in America refused to sit with someone and learn the deen of Islam. And that's reality. They refuse to sit with someone and learn the basic fundamentals of Islam. That's reality. Well, I took up too much of your time. MashaAllah. Um, we're going to have another show tomorrow. We're going to try to have a show every day this week, inshallah. If it pleases Allah, subhanahu to Allah. I have an aunt that's in a hospital. I'm asking the Muslims to make du'a to all that she get better, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide her to the religion of Islam, and that he, you know, take away the sickness from her. You know, uh, one of my family members came to me in the hospital and said that I thought we wasn't allowed to make du'a for the far. right? I said, see, this is the problem. Like, what type of God that we are we worshiping, like? What type of Lord do you think the law is? Do you think the law is like so he just hate Kufars? <laughs> like, seriously, like, do you think the law just hate them? Don't like he allowed them to breathe oxygen, eat food, whatever they want to do on this earth. He allowed them to do that. The messenger of Allah was not allowed to make dua for his uncle who reached the uh past death. What's a Kufar died? That it's not permissible to make du'a for them and say, may Allah give them a gracious, uh, spacious grave, or may Allah forgive them for their sins. Once they reach death, once death has claimed them, then you cannot make du'a for them. But why your mother, your umi, your dad, your cousin, while they are alive, you are you can make du'a for them. Umar ibn al-Khattab is Muslim and became a Muslim because the Prophet Muhammad made du'a for him when he was a kufar. There were two Umars in the time of, of the Sahaba, in the time of Mecca. And a messenger of Allah so that some acts, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed one of the Umars to become a Muslim. This is what we have to understand. But if you don't have knowledge of that, you shouldn't speak about it. If you think that you worship a Lord that won't even allow you to make dua for your mother who's sick or your aunt or your brother who's sick because they're not a Muslim that even bless them with good health, then you need to Really stop everything that you're doing, everything that you have learned, and learn Islam all over again and get a better understanding of who you worship. Simple as that. Simple as that. This is not a game. This is not a joke. Allah is not a vengeful, a hateful God. Allah is our dude. He's the most loving. He loves us. Anyway, I have an aunt that's in the hospital, terminal cancer. I asked the Muslim community to make dua for her. I asked Allah subhanahu wa to guide her to Islam and to bless her with a speedy recovery. 
If you don't want to, mashallah. But I'm asking you, inshallah, as my brothers and sisters in the religion, we'll do a show tomorrow and every day this week, inshallah, if it pleases Allah, depend on the island. Um, the Dina William movie was highly successful. May Allah went to Isla, bless us to make Cover Girls. We are working on Cover Girls, the movie. And that's about the Muslims. And we're going to try to do that by the end of the year, inshallah. If it pleases Allah, so please make dua for me and my staff and the community that we get this movie done, inshallah. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sabihi wa salam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum. Wa Mom, how are you doing? How about yourself? I'm you know, I was glad to hear that you wanted to have a little, have a little meet with me, inshallah. That's why I got the security over here. I mean, so we wouldn't be alone, have a third party. I'm the last. So, uh, what you looking for in a husband? Well, I mean, I'm pretty much looking for a woman more than anyone is looking for, you know, uh, I believe most sisters are looking for a protector, a provider, um, someone who's going to come home at night, and most important, someone who's going to hold my hand, walk me through the gates of paradise. Assalamu alaikum. Yeah. 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 What's going on, though? It's kind of hope y'all told us, huh? And we don't see y'all around the Hey, man, I ain't even been going to the Mass Gear lately, man. We just been out here. I guess you all know your thing, and I ain't on mine. Assalamu alaikum. This is your brother, Seifu Haq. Inviting all my brothers and sisters to go check out the Dana Vadugan movie. Now available on Vimeo On Demand. That's V-I-M-E-O On Demand for $9.99. And you can also get it on Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, go to Google and type in Vimeo On Demand. Or you can go to Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, the Islamic movie of the year. Please support me. Check it out. Uh, Cover Girls is coming up next, inshallah. Salaam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.